Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gardner, and as always, excited to be back with you again for for another episode. And I think this one is going to uh, pique a lot of interest. Um, you know, this was as I did the giveaway and had a chance to talk with more of y'all. I think probably the resounding theme that I was hearing was, you know, definitely love kind of the general financial topics and things like that, but would really like to hear a little bit more about investing. What are the different kind of options out there? Um, you know, what what are some things that you look for? Like kind of where do you put your money? And yeah, as I mentioned way back in the very first episode, the goal of the podcast isn't ever to get as granular as, you know, throwing stock tickers out there and saying, hey, you know, jump into this at this price. You know, I try to leave with a disclaimer. I'm not a financial advisor. I like to speak more, you know, kind of broadly, um, somewhat intentionally vague, I'd say. But again, I think that's for, for both of ours benefit. You know, I don't want to be in a position where, you know, I'm responsible for where you're putting your money. And at the same time, you know, I don't want you to be involved in an investment that you don't have conviction in and that can come back and haunt you. So just want to start with that caveat. You know, it is important wherever you're, you know, taking in investment advice or in the case of a podcast like this, it's not certainly not investment advice. These are just more kind of general topics. And I like to, you know, kind of put out leading questions there just to to get you thinking and to, to hopefully see kind of some opportunities, right? So always want you to, to be convicted in, in what you're doing. You know, you have a plan and you are, you know, in a good spot with, with what you're doing with your capital, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, we always want to increase our wealth, but at the same time, you know, the first priority is always preserving it. So anyways, with that out of the way, really wanted to just take some time tonight to talk through some of the kind of most common investment vehicles that are out there, generally kind of what you hear people talking about in the news, what most folks kind of what they what they get started in when they're investing, you know, what are the, you know, what's out there, what are the differences and talk through kind of pros and cons and what might make the most sense for you. So to get started, this is certainly not going to be an exhaustive list, right? There is literally a mechanism for any sort of investment you want to make out there. I mean, there are people that are really creative. They're way smarter than you and I. They're going to devise, you know, whatever whatever methods they need to, you know, if they want to think about the, uh, if you ever saw the movie The Big Short, talked about creating, I believe they were called credit swaps, um, basically manufacturing a way to short the housing market. So where there's a will, there's a way, right? So don't treat this as an exhaustive list. I'm just going to focus on specifically some of the most common ones. And of course, you know, the complexity of these investments will vary from, they're incredibly straightforward Two, you could get very, very complex. Again, the vast, vast majority of investors don't need to get into, you know, the most nuanced of nuanced investment vehicles um, and funds and things like that out there. There's a, there are a ton of standard options that are going to be great for you. But really what you what you should do with your money depends on, I think, three main things, right? Your current age you know, your overall investment strategy slash kind of risk tolerance and your financial goals, right? So we talked before about, you know, last episode I mentioned kind of time and letting things grow, but just inherently, if you're a 25-year-old, you have more time to be in the stock market, to grow your money, to take risk, to lose money, to, to gain money. Like there's much more 
you just have a longer runway than somebody who's 60 years old and is, you know, looking to retire, is retired, trying to preserve their money uh, for the rest of their lives, things like that. So that's why those are key variables to take into account. If you're younger, generally you can take on more risk. You can, you know, play it a little bit looser with what you get involved with. And then as you get older, your financial, you know, goals and strategy kind of change uh, in line with that. But I digress there. Definitely worth you know, consulting professional advice um, if you have kind of deeper questions on that front. But main focus today is going to be on equities. And so how I'm defining that, I mean, you can you can kind of vary it slightly, I, I suppose. But equities for the most part are, you know, shares of ownership in companies or funds, right? Um, and again, it can be ownership in a variety of different assets. I'm going to focus on, you know, more what kind of the, the common common items you'll see on the stock exchanges right so equities are going to cover the majority of investments but like i said there's uh there's a lot of different vehicles and things like that that are out there so um feel free to get as creative as you like just understand what you're getting yourself involved with and again before i get into the specifics i'm not a financial advisor so this is not financial advice it's not misconstrued don't misconstrue it to say hey i'm gonna throw all my money into gamestop because reddit told me to well that Reddit told you that's a different story. Just don't tell them Grant told you because I did. <laughs> All right. So most common question that I hear from folks who are looking to get started in the investment space, you know, they're trying to decide, you know, what should I do? So number one question is what should I invest in? And again, keep in mind, we're talking about equities here. I'm not getting into the debt side or anything like that. But the first category of equities I wanted to talk about are individual stocks, right? And this is probably the most common thing that you'd hear on the news or that you're just familiar with, whether that be, you know, from kind of growing up, hearing your parents, your friends talk about it. Maybe there's specific brands or companies that you really enjoy. And you heard that they, you know, traded on the public exchanges. But individual stocks are specific companies that are publicly traded. So that when I say publicly traded, that just means anybody who you know has access to a brokerage account has the ability to buy and sell shares of this particular company. And I think one thing that's important to note here is there is a difference between a company and a brand. All right. So it's it's easy to point to, you know, Apple and Tesla and Microsoft and Amazon where you essentially can conflate a, you know a company with the brand right but there's a there's a big difference between the two um so think about like you see it a lot i'd say probably in the restaurant industry or you know like the like the clothing industry where maybe the maybe the restaurant is say like Arby's or Burger King right that might be one kind of brand that is owned by an overarching company. And that umbrella company could be what trades on the, the public market. So maybe you don't, you wouldn't be, it's not like Burger King trades as you know individual shares of just Burger King, but it could be you know 10 different restaurant brands that all kind of blend together into to one. And that company is what, what trades on the exchange. So just keep that in mind. You might not necessarily find your specific brand trading publicly but 
chances are it is part of uh, an umbrella, kind of a a mix of a mix of different uh, brands under one company. But anyway, um, investing in you know individual stocks is going to give you direct ownership in that company. So generally, it gives you the ability to you know vote on things like potentially new board members executive compensation um i think you have to ratify each year what auditor they're going to use although that's not as important um and then if there's any kind of uh, special events that come up like maybe an acquisition merger um, sometimes those can prompt shareholder votes but you would in most cases have voting power um and oftentimes when you know trading so buying and selling individual you know, shares of individual companies, there's typically no expenses here, right? So there's no expenses on the, like, owning the, like, holding the shares themselves. Um, if you're using, you know, platforms like pretty, I mean, so many platforms are commission-free trading nowadays that that's really kind of the majority. So as long as you're not paying a commission, which means just essentially a fee to either go buy or sell shares, then owning, you know, owning those shares of a company is not going to cost you anything other than the money you put into it. So that's one plus there. The downside is individual stocks are going to be the most volatile. And by that, I mean, they are the most, they are most likely going to, you know, to go up and go down in pretty sizable shifts, right? So if you think about, you know, some of the indexes or certain funds, you know, maybe they as a whole go up, you know, 10% a year, something like that. An individual stock could go up. I mean, Tesla, I think, went up something like 750% last year. Others were up like 2,000%. Massive, massive gains, right? At the same time, those can also go to zero, right? That is, I'm not saying those specific companies, but a company could, you know, release a new product and it's a game changer and their stock skyrockets. Or the new product they've been investing in, you know, totally flops and they run out of money and file for bankruptcy, right? So there is this very you know high risk, high reward. So if you're looking at individual stocks, make sure you're doing your research. And by that, I mean, understand the management team, their vision, their strategy, understand the, the financial picture, you know, like how much cash do they have on hand? Are they going to need more money? Um, how are they deploying that money? Are they investing it back in R&D? Are they doing stock buybacks? Like, how are they using the capital they have available to them? Um, and just in general, like I said, understand kind of their their pipeline as a whole. So, do your due diligence. Don't just fire away at buying individual stocks because you recognize the brand name and because, especially just because you saw, oh, you know, this stock went up X amount last year. It's going to do the same this year. Certainly not the case. Don't use. Don't purely use a very limited window of time as your kind of barometer there for projecting out into the future. So, you know, if you are highly convicted, there are if uh, there are certain companies that I would say I have a lot of conviction in and I'm invested significantly, you know, relative to my portfolio in them. Um, I'm not going to name them. If if you know me, you probably heard me mention a few of them. So um, maybe uh, if you know me in real life, you probably get a get a few extra stock ticks there. <laughs> Again, not not advice. I just a little more candid off the mic, um, but yeah, like I said, if you're really convicted in a company, you know, go for it. But just be be cognizant, be careful what you're doing because just know it, it can go to zero. 
All right, so those are individual companies. Let's talk about kind of the main the main mechanism of investing, and those are funds, right? And what is a is a fund? Well, it's really, you know, we just talked about individual stocks and how they can move up and down a lot. A fund is essentially a pool of different companies. Um, and so it, you know, you may, there really are funds for every sort of strategy and objective. And the funds themselves could have different structures. But what they aim to do is to have enough diversification or in other words they want to spread the risk out over enough companies that you know the fund will be successful over time so you know basically let's say a fund owns a hundred companies right they know that and at any point in time you know let's say 10 of them are going to do amazing right 80 are going to do okay and then 10 are going to totally flop and you know go bankrupt right well, if you were in, you know, if you invested into just one of the, the 10 that did really well, then yeah, you got, boom, huge reward. If you were in one of the 10 that flopped, then you lost all your money. If you're in the fund, it spreads that risk out where you get, you get the benefits of the companies that skyrocket, you absorb the downside of the ones that flop, and overall, as companies, you know, kind of do well or do poorly, the fund as a, as a whole, since it's spread out across those 100 companies will, you know, do all right. It's meant to, you know, you're not going to see the same massive gains year in, year out, but you also don't have the same down downside risk. So, you know, just keep in mind, you know, risk is tied to reward in, in a lot of cases. There are some cases where you could be pursuing minimal reward for a lot of risk, but um, we won't get too far into that. So, Funds are a good a good mechanism to use, and that's the the vast majority of what people use or, or how people invest. Um, one thing to be, you know, I mentioned this, and this gets a little bit deeper, right? But when you're looking at funds, they're going to have different strategies, right? So one might be we are, you know, we're a high growth fund, we're a technology fund, we are, you know, a you know a commodities fund, an income, you know precious metals, things like that, you know, all, one thing that I recommend before investing in a fund is read the prospectus. And that's meant to be, you know, an executive summary of the strategy of the fund. And that lays out the criteria, right? So if, if a fund says, hey, we can only, you know, we plan to target, you know, uh, companies that have a billion dollar market cap, um, and above that operate in the technology space. That's about as broad as it can get. But by by reading that, you know, okay, and any company that's not, you know, their market cap isn't at least a billion dollars, this fund cannot invest in them. It's not optional. They don't have the, they don't have the choice of like, oh yeah, maybe we do. Like, no, it's, it's literally legislated that they cannot invest in companies sub a billion dollar market cap. So, I only say that to you know call out uh, before investing in a fund. Understand the prospectus and and what they can and can't get involved in. Because one thing that kind of concerns me about some of the funds out there is they talk about you know diversification and and balancing you know like balancing out risk and and things like that. And then you look at the the companies that they own and you're like, okay, wait a second. So sixty percent of this fund is tied up into 
four companies, right? So if it's all like Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Facebook is 60% of the fund, is that really that much diversification? Not really, right? Because like if Amazon's 20% of a fund and it goes down 10%, I mean that's an that's just two that's two percent the entire fund just based on one stock. So keep that in mind. Understand what is actually you know what the the fund invests in, what the different allocations are. It's worth studying, um, you know, studying before putting your money into it. Um, another thing to look at too is the management fee structure. So generally there's there's two types of, of management and by by management i mean the organization or the group that operates the fund right so there's always going to be kind of a fund sponsor or fund manager um however there is you know some of them you know classified as active management others are passive so key difference there is passive management means they think of it kind of like a fund on autopilot they basically say hey we're Here's our here's our strategy. Here's you know what we're gonna what we're gonna buy when we're gonna buy and here's what we're gonna sell and when we're gonna sell it, right? And it just you know kind of sets up and runs itself. Active management means you have a dedicated manager or a team that that's their full time job is to you know analyze stocks, see what the market trends are, you know price movement things like that, and they're going to reallocate their money accordingly. So probably a lot more movement in an actively managed fund. Um, the, the, one of the key differences is in expenses. So anything that's actively managed is going to be much more expensive. Um, generally, it's known as kind of a, you know, they take a fee, a percentage of assets under management is typically the, the most common way of doing it. But if you, you're looking at an active managed fund, um, probably minimum 2% uh, would, be, would be the fee. Meanwhile, you know, on the passive side, you know, like some of the index funds, probably looking more in the range of like 0.5% to 0.7%, which that's a pretty significant difference. If you add up, you know, uh, 1.5% compounding every year for 40 years, I mean, that is a very significant difference. And it means that funds with active managers have to perform that much better, right? Because if you're paying 2% more in fees, um, just to have, you know, a team running it, well, there, then, you know, and it, say an index fund returns 10%, well, your active managed fund would then have to return 12% or more just for you to, you know, break even or barely eke out ahead. So always look at expense ratios when, when looking at funds so you understand, you know, what is it going to cost you to put your money into that. Um, and then lastly, there's also, you know, limitations in liquidity. And so by liquidity, I mean your ability to translate your ownership, kind of your shares into cash quickly, right? It's how fast can you turn yeah, those shares into money? Um, so certain funds have limitations where you can't buy and sell them on, the, on an exchange. Usually you have to redeem your shares for you know, cash at, you know, a, a determined amount as of the day, you know, you request to redeem them. And depending on the fund, there could be a pecking order of, you know, who can redeem their shares and pull out money because everyone can't, you know, they can't transfer everything to cash right away. Like imagine if you are, you know, in the real estate side of things and this fund owns 50 buildings. Well, you can't just go out and sell 
50 buildings overnight and turn that into cash. Whereas like if for, you know, a company that's traded on an exchange, yeah, you can buy and sell in seconds. So also keep that in mind uh, as well. But really I want to touch on three main types of funds here. So first one up are mutual funds and you know, these are, again, don't need to get too much into the specific strategy, right? Cause you can find a fund with the strategy for whatever you're looking for. So there, there are unlimited options there, but in general, mutual funds are, are actively managed, which means you're going to you know, see higher, higher fees on that front. Um, the benefit there is, you know, like I said, they do have the ability to be a little bit more dynamic and kind of reallocate, you know, their, their assets as they see fit and maybe take advantage of, you know, new trends in the market, um, whatever that might be. Uh, but remember with the higher fees, then you also have to have a higher return just to justify it. So a key difference here is mutual funds typically are, they're not traded on the stock exchanges, right? So they are, they might, you know, have assets that are, but they themselves are not traded um, like that. So that's where the, the redemption side of things comes in. So the, you know, each share price is determined by the net asset value of the fund. So real, real simple example, let's say there's, you know, the fund, the net asset value of the fund is a hundred dollars and there are 100 shares outstanding. So you take a hundred dollars divided by a hundred shares, you have $1 a share. And so that's the, the price, you know, as of that given day, but maybe the next day, everything, it, it doubles, right? So now the value of the fund is $200 and there is still, you know, just 100 shares outstanding. So now it's, you know, your net asset value is it's $200 or sorry, it's $2 per share. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's a figure that gets calculated on a, on a very regular basis. Um, but usually the pull your money out of a mutual fund, you're going to have to redeem your shares. So that means, you know, contacting the fund manager saying, Hey, I've got five shares. I want to redeem it. And I want to, you know, take my $10 and they might say, okay, yeah, we can, we can do that. But you know, here's, here's the, the criteria. Um, you know, you are, you know, just say an average adult. Well, that means you are, you know, in fourth place when it comes to, you know, who gets their money. So if we, if we figure out, Hey, we've got, we can, we can pay out $50 of cash. Um, and we've got, you know, a hundred, you know, people are trying to redeem 70 shares. Well, not everybody's going to be able to pull their money out. So that's a very simple example. Um, don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but just know that there are limitations in whether, you know, you can, uh, whether you can actually get your cash out or not and what the, the timing looks like on that. So those are mutual funds. I, you probably have kind of picked up on it, but I'm not the biggest fan of the concept uh, for a couple of reasons. One is you know, higher management fees. I don't, I'm not keen on actively managed funds as a whole, just because I think there are great options out there that are passively managed and are cheaper. So that's one. And two is I never like feeling restricted with my, with my capital. I like the ability of Hey, things are really seem to really be hitting the fan. You know, I can pull my money out whenever I like. Maybe it's 
got some good news, stocks up, and I want to you know take some money out, take my profits, right? I like having that ability. Um, I feel like I do enough research and due diligence to kind of justify the the trades that I make. Um, and with that is I don't necessarily want to hand it off to, to somebody else at this juncture. So what I like looking at more often, uh, again, not, not investment advice, just speaking candidly. Um, I like looking more at ETFs. And so those are exchange traded funds and similar kind of concept, right? It is, it's a fund, it's a basket of different companies. It's going to target different sectors, different industries, different types of companies. Um, and it's, it's going to offer, you know, ideally that same, that same diversification. Um, here it's important to note that on the management side of things, you could have both passively and actively managed funds. So it, it, it'll be laid out. If you, if you dive deeper than just the stock ticker, you'll be able to figure out what the expense ratio is, uh, who's running it and you know, how active they are in it. Um, and then, like I said, what I really like about, you know, exchange traded funds means you can trade them on the exchanges and that gives you that flexibility of saying, you know, Hey, like I'll be in it. You know, I can, I can sell next week if I want, I can buy and sell in 15 minutes. I can buy and sell in 45 years, right? You'll have that flexibility, which is, which is great. And then additionally, there is more options when it comes to the sort of trades that you can make. And this candidly is a bit more advanced. It's not for everybody, but there are things where you can, you can short ETFs, which means we talked about GameStop means you expect the, the, the ETF to go down in value and you can also make options trades. So depending on whether you think the price is going to go up or down, you can buy, you know, options contracts to, to play along with that. Those are advanced techniques. I, those are trades, not investments. Um, but so definitely don't venture into that unless you really truly know what you're getting yourself into and are expected to, you know, and are okay with losing money. So ETFs are, are a great mechanism to use. And then, um, kind of along with that are our index funds. So this is, you've heard me mention it before. Um, index funds are, they're not really kind of a should I say like a separate structure? You know, it they are they really do kind of fall in the the ETF category. They're like a subcategory of ETFs for the most part. Um, and what they aim to do is track a specific index. So, quick rundown: um, difference between an exchange and an index. Right, an exchange is what facilitates the the buying and selling of shares. Um, an index is essentially a value that is tracking the the total value of a certain like grouping of companies. So for instance, New York Stock, Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ are exchanges that facilitate purchase, you know, purchases and sales of, of stocks and securities. Um, indexes would be like the Dow Jones, the S&P, uh, maybe like the Russell 2000, um, things like that. Um, so generally, you know, it's it, again, meant to kind of track kind of overall how the market's doing and the market value of that particular cluster of companies. Um, so I, I really like index funds um, because 
it is generally they're passively managed, right? Because something like the S&P has an organization that balances it and kind of reallocates, you know, percentages, right? Of like what companies are in, how heavily are they weighted, things like that. And, you know, an S&P index fund is just going to mirror that. They're going to say, okay, you know, Tesla's coming in. They're going to be, you know, whatever it was, 3 or 4% of the S&P. Therefore, we're going to shift our money around and now, you know, three to four percent of you know the stocks that we own is going to be in tesla right it's meant to be an exact exact match there um, i think these are a great you know low-hanging fruit low barrier to entry you know um, option for new investors and this is the kind of thing that you know you can put on a recurring investment for 30 or 40 years just fire and forget about it and then one day you know you'll be you'll be in a great spot so that is kind of the rundown on fund structure. So mutual funds, it's, you know, typically actively managed, expensive, uh, limited kind of liquidity options, not super keen on them. I think is as a newer investor, you're better off going the the ETF or just kind of index fund uh, route in general and check out, just go out there and learn the kind of, you know, what's, what funds are, what the different strategies are. So, you know, maybe you want to see like a high growth, fund or an income fund that focuses on companies that pay big dividends, right? That's what I mean by there's different strategies. So if you're if you're young and you're looking for, you know, big risk, big reward, then maybe you do want to be on the high growth side of things. If you're 65, 70 and you're looking for capital preservation and you just want to, you know, generate some some income there, then it probably makes sense to do more of uh, dividend stocks and government, you know, treasury bills, things like that, that have, you know, stable, secure income. Um, last kind of footnote is there are, you know, other equities out there talking about, you know, private equity, which just means you know, ownership in a company that is not publicly traded. Um, that's a little bit different. Um, I think for, for most of us out there, that's a little bit, you know, kind of a ball game that we're not going to be in at potentially ever, but at least out of the gate. Um, you can also own, you know, alternative investments. So that's real estate. Maybe it's maybe cryptocurrencies, collectibles, right? There are, you know, those other kind of other investments that would fall under that alternative umbrella that you could, that you could look at. But I digress there. I think really for the majority of people, what, what you should look at when you're getting started would be, you know, potentially individual stocks. If you're highly convicted in them, you really believe and, and where they're going and are comfortable losing your entire investment. And then probably more on the ETF index fund side of things. So that is my rundown. And last parting thoughts I'll leave you with are just some things to, to look for and to think about. And so I alluded to it just a moment ago with you know how age kind of dictate, dictates strategy. But it's always important to know what your what your goals are. Are you trying to preserve your capital and generate some income from your investments? Or are you looking to, you know, for the high growth potential of where you're investing in Amazon in 97 or something along those lines? Um, again, consult a, a financial advisor if you want more sp- specifics. Um, but yeah, you, age is a good kind of guide based on, you know, where you're at and then what your financial goals are. So when you want to retire, things like that. Um, when looking at you know different funds to potentially invest in, find the right management structure. So if you're going with something that's actively managed, 
read up read up the on the bios of the of the sponsors of the team that's leading it right understand like what's their background you know how well do they do do they really are they worth the extra one and a half two three percent um in fees that you're paying them um and look beyond just how that fund is returned in the last year or two you sorry how that fund has performed in the last year or two um it's just it's never good to get biased by short-term results and you just never know did somebody somebody really just get lucky they hit on one big bet or are they actually just really good at what they do i think it's also important to be you know very cognizant of of your risk reward right so you don't want to be you know so risk adverse that at 20 years old you're investing in treasury bills and you're getting basically nothing on your return um just because you don't want to lose your money but at the same time you don't want to be you know just firing from the hip and and taking on super risky investments and losing everything right find what risk you know understand your risk tolerance and find the appropriate risk reward there where you know you're gonna you're gonna have companies that are gonna do really well and others that are gonna do poorly but at the end of the day you're gonna end up ahead right that's the goal is to always end up ahead um, and then the last thing is there are always opportunities I guess I shouldn't say always but be on the lookout for undervalued assets I think there's a lot of different ways that you can calculate what's technically undervalued maybe it's a gut feeling maybe it maybe there are some fundamentals just understanding like how much cash this company has on hand what's the market potential of this product or service that they're launching right so be when you're younger be opportunistic right I think there's definitely definitely a role for you know recurring kind of growth investments as I mentioned but at the same time go out you know do your due diligence study the companies that are out there and then maybe you find some hidden gems and it's uh it's a real opportunity to to capitalize uh, moving forward but that's it for me uh, i think that's uh probably a good stopping point like i said that doesn't really get super deep into even just the funds themselves but let alone the entire investment vehicle landscape i think those are the most common ones and for the majority of people listening that's probably going to you know cover mainly what you look at um if anybody's interested in kind of a you know a deeper analysis of specific specific funds or more kind of technical uh advanced concepts let me know i'm always happy to you know talk through those things potentially do some research into into brand new you know concepts or vehicles that i'm not all that familiar with and that's all part of the fun right we're all here to to learn together and really foster that sense of community to help improve uh everybody's financial well-being but as always appreciate you making the time um feel free to you know follow the podcast subscribe to it uh leave a review um if you enjoy kind of the content that we're putting out um go find me over on instagram at capital adulting um yeah it's just c-a-p-i-t-a-l-a-d-u-l-t-i-n-g um, on instagram you can shoot me a dm comment on my post there um and i would love to to connect with you more so definitely don't hesitate to reach out and until next time i hope you all take care